Ghostly Thistle presents The Antique Shop Episode 43 The Girl Finally Sometimes all you need is time to yourself. A rare commodity in the shop these days. Before anyone starts thinking the worst, Finn is still in the shop. He's taken to spending a lot of his time in storage. He's probably been through all of the items in the shop a hundred times over by this point and needs new things to look at. What better way to waste time than by getting lost in storage? Kronos and I take turns checking he's still in one piece, because neither of us know the small print on my deal with death. Only alive was stipulated. How did that work if he was mauled to death by a storage monster? Reed, as you've probably guessed, is away his boyfriend. No. Girlfriend. No, no, definitely boyfriend. Or was it a thruple this week? I've officially lost track. And a few bets we Finn, and now Kronos has joined in. Let's just say the only fox I regularly see is the one on my ring. It does mean I've had a few rare days a complete solitude in the shop. And recently, something's been sticking out. The book. The one with the strange landscapes and deceptive words. The one with my name in it. The one the red-haired lassie was inside and is now roaming around because I couldn't keep my curiosity in check. I began to leave it lying around in the hopes that someone... I didn't care if it was a customer or not, would see it and give me the answers I need. Nope. That book's like the bloody shop, except worse. Only I can see it. I've almost given up. There's no way I'm ever going to figure out her name unless someone tells me. I say that, but I've kept my ears open. That's how I found her the last time. A pally, a pal. But what's the chances of being that lucky the next time? And what's the point? I still didn't know her name to put her back in that damned book. I still keep it within sight, as if I'm punishing myself. Thankfully, I had better things to worry about that day. One of my pals is a member of the drama club at uni, and that night, I'd been invited to their performance at the student union. I'd already been to a few, and they were always a good laugh. Although, whether that was the performances or the free-flowing booze was up for debate. Regardless, I was in for a good night. The stage is set, complete with red velvet curtain. People sit at wee round tables with their pints taking up most of the space. The room is dark, the stage casting shadows all the way to the bar. 
The theme of the performances are Scottish folk tales. The ensemble cast comes out dressed as Kelpies, Brownies, Old Hags and well-known ghosts. The audience laughs and sniggers where appropriate, because wit's a good Scottish legend without humour. I take a sip of my drink and wait for the next tale to come on. A man dressed as a pig, complete with curly tail, a woman with mob cap and apron, and a six-foot-tall lad in clothes that were a few hundred sizes too wee for him, entered. The narrator, an ever-present guide at the side of the stage. The pig boy laid on the ground, belly up, his four trotter feet pointing up as if he'd been knocked over by a quad bike on the farm. The woman and six-foot-tall lad, who we were told was her wee laddie, or her son, fretted over the swine. The narrator tells us that this is an old wife whose husband went away for market day and never came back, leaving her with only her wee laddie and a single pig. The pig, by the looks of it, was on its last legs, which would have been bad enough if it weren't pregnant. If it died, her entire source of income for all the pigs would be gone. She fretted and fretted until she saw a mysterious figure walk down the road. Enter stage left, my pal, adorned with green velvet dress, flaming ginger hair and a strange misshapen staff. She approached the old wife, her wee laddie and the sickly pig, and announced that she knew all about what was happening and how terrible it was. But the old wife didn't need to fret because she had just the solution. The old wife, in disbelief, asked her if she could really help fix the pig. The red-haired lassie nodded vigorously, but inquired what she'd get in return for saving the swine. The next words will haunt my nightmares to the end of time. I'll gi ye anything, the old wife cries. Aye, that always ends well. Satisfied with the answer, the red-haired lassie steps towards the pig, produces a small glass bottle with black liquid and puts three drops into the creature's ear, or the flappy fabric that was supposed to be its ear. Immediately, the man-pig jumped up on all four trotters and started making oinking noises to show it had fully recovered. The old wife was ecstatic and thanked the red-haired lassie, asking what it was that she wanted. Food? Clothes? Drink? The answer was a shake of the heed and a pointed stare at the wee laddie. She'd take him. The old wife's face fell in dismay as she protested. A deal is a deal. A promise is a promise, the red-haired lassie reminded. The old wife began to cry. The lassie relented a wee bit and said that if the old wife could come up with her real name in three days, then her wee laddie would be returned to her.
If this is ringing bells in anyone's mind, then they're no alone. For two days, the old wife greeted and fretted and knew there was nothing she could do. On the third day, she rose and went on a walk through the woods where she used to bring her wee laddie. She followed the sounds a water, a stream, and began to hear singing. The voice belonged to the red-haired lassie, who sat beside the stream spinning wool on her wheel. The song, conveniently, had her name in it. The old wife snuck away and bided her time until the lassie returned. On her third guess, the old wife told the red-haired creature her name and the wee laddie was returned to his mother. Thwarted, the lassie retreated and was never seen again. Except I knew differently. Somehow she'd ended up trapped in a book in the shop. And that red-haired bitch's name was Whoopity Sturdy. I'll admit, I'd never heard of this folktale. One a many, no doubt. It's more or less the Scottish version of Rumpelstiltskin. I barely sat through the rest of the performances, burning to leave and track Whoopity Doon and finally get her back in that damned book. But I had to wait to the next day when I could go and get the book for the shop. After the performances were over and I was a few glasses deep in drink, I helped my pal get out of her various costumes and makeup. As everyone was saying goodbye at the end of the night, I was standing a wee bit away for the entrance, wondering if I was going to make it home without falling over. I felt a presence, but the drink prevented me from getting startled. I knew who it was. The woman has a presence. Madame Anora stood a few feet away, looking at me bemusedly, no doubt also wondering if I was going to fall down. I slurred out words demanding to know why she was here. She complimented my pal's performance, but mused that the story we'd been told about the Whoopity story wasn't all there was to it. Like most things in this world, there was more than there appeared. Looking back on this interaction, I'm not sure it was even real. My pal called me over so we could get a taxi, but when I turned back round to tell Madame Honora where to go, there was nothing but shadows. I stumbled back over to my pal, hoping I'd be too drunk to remember the encounter, which obviously I wasn't. The next evening, we a wee bit of a hangover, I nip into the shop to get the book and head to the last place I'd heard mention air. Another pub, different to the last one, barely within the city bounds. I open the door, assuming I'm going to have a long wait on my hands to confirm if she's still haunting this place, when I see a flash of red hair and the shimmer of a green velvet dress heading out the opposite side of the pub to where the toilets are. I quickly squeeze in between the already forming crowd. There's a big football match on and everyone's clamouring to get a better look at the screen. 
I finally get to the back where she's disappeared, only to hear the clink of the fire exit door close. The alarm has not gone off, so I follow. It does not occur to me that she might have silenced the alarm, but I'm relieved when I push the bar and open the door to silence. I'm spat into a side alley with uneven cobbles waiting to trip up the unsuspecting, and industrial-sized bins pushed into bare brick walls so bin lorries can squeeze past once a week. Over the slamming of taxi doors and clip of high heels on pavements, I can hear two people hissing at each other. I immediately think it's whoopity up to our old tricks, trying to manipulate someone into giving her something of worth. I'm hidden by a large bin, and when I emerge onto the cobbles, I indeed find Whuppity talking to someone. A middle-aged man whose balding heed caught the amber light trickling down the alley for the main street. I proudly announced that she could stop now, that it was all over, that I knew her name. Whuppity whipped around to me, a storm of emotions running across her delicate features, before she landed on pleading. I smirked. I'd won, finally, after all of these months. I wasn't such a fuck-up after all. I told the older man that he could go, and that whatever she'd offered him wasn't worth what she'd take for him. He looks at me blankly, when Whuppity begins to beg me no to put her back in the book, and that I didn't understand what I've walked into. By this stage, I'm fishing the book out of my bag, unable to stop smiling. The more desperate she sounds, the happier I become. I anticipate the great burden being lifted off my shoulders. No more book, no more thinking about her red hair and green velvet dress, no more frustration at no being able to talk about it or get help. No more feeling like an absolute roaster, at least concerning this. Whuppity eventually surmises that I must have heard the story, the folk tale that she's in, and she tells me that it's no true. She didn't trick the old wife and steal her laddie. That was all a lie that was made up to discredit her. This caught my attention, and my smirk began to falter. What did she mean? The older man, still standing in the background, mutters under his breath that she would say that. It's not so much that he said anything that bothers me, it's that he's still here. Why hasn't he left? I could feel my elation dampen as I began to really look at this situation before me. Whuppity says that the tale about her isn't true, that it was all a lie made up by the old wife's absent husband. In reality, she and Whuppity were pals. Yes, she helped her way things like the pig, but it was never in exchange for anything as extreme as her bairn. The husband had only married the old wife for her money, and regularly left her home alone to fend for herself. Whuppity eventually found out that he planned to kill his wife after they'd had a son, 
because their prenuptial contract stated that the husband wouldn't get any of the money she had in a family trust should she die without bairns. Since she had a son, he would inherit the trust when he came of age. In the meantime, it'd essentially be the husband's. My smile had all but died. Should I believe her? Could I? People will say anything in a desperate situation. Whoopity pointed to the middle-aged man she'd been talking to and stated that he was the husband in the tale. After she'd saved the old wife for his grasp, he'd trapped her in the book as revenge and made up the tale so if she ever was freed in the future, no one would ever trust her. There is no exactly a date on the folk tale, but I must say, the man was looking pretty good for someone that must have been a few hundred years old. No as good as the madams, but still impressive. The old man snorted in derision and refuted the claims, saying that it was a folk tale, a fable. Weren't they all made up? I didn't need Madame Anora's cryptic warning that night to tell me that something wasn't right. She'd said the tale wasn't as it appeared, which fit into Whoppity's narrative. Why Anora had interfered at all was something to think about later. I felt the book's weight in my hands, and the more I hesitated, the heavier it became. Did Whoppity want revenge on the husband for trapping her in it? I asked her what she'd give me in exchange for my help. She stared back blankly. After a few moments of confused silence, I told her that she'd have to give me anything I asked for, and in exchange, I'd give her vengeance. The man really should have left earlier. Whoppity nodded ever so slightly. If I wasn't paying attention, I would have missed it. I threw the book in front of the man and the pages began to flip over with dizzying speed, skimming over the fantastical landscapes he'd no doubt created himself to be Whoppity's prison. He shouldn't be too bothered by it then. He realised what was going on too late to run. The flipping pages created a vortex of sorts, a magnetic pull that he didn't have the strength to resist. When the tip of his finger disappeared into the spine, the book snapped shut and the cover changed. On top of the waterfall, overlooking the strange city, was a balding, miserable man. I kept the book as insurance. I reminded Whoppity, more harshly than I'd intended, that should she renege on her side of our deal, I'd release him. Should I have acted as I did? Was it my place to interfere? Couldn't I just have destroyed the book and washed my hands of the whole situation? Perhaps that was what a Madame Norna would have done. Perhaps that's what I should have done. Why do I feel like I chose to be more like Madame Anora? Rather than altruistic, I was self-serving. 
Whoppity owes me a favour. I have no idea what I'm going to ask Faye, if I ever will, but I get the sense that I may need it someday. Madame Norna's can be left with nothing for their work, for their sacrificed lives. But I didn't intend to be the same. The narrator tells us... <laughs> oh no. The old wife's fee. <laughs> After the performance... Madame Anora stood a few feet away. Looking at me bemusedly. Bemoomin' me. <laughs> oh dear. I nip into the only to hear the clink of the fire escape door close. Fire escape? It's a fire exit, isn't it? Ooh! Ooh, I lapsed into American there. Fire escape is an American term. We call it fire exit. Here, fun fact we call it fire exit in the UK. By this stage, I'm fishing the bag out of my. Oops, nope. Right, that's enough, good boy. No, that's enough, good boy. Perhaps that's what that... Perhaps that's... Fucking hell. Thank you for listening to episode 43 of The Antique Shop. Episode 44 will be released in two weeks' time. It's me again. You had one episode free of my rambling. I I thought that my listeners might want some background on this. I suppose it's more of a disclaimer in that Whoppity Story is an actual Scottish folktale. I didn't make it up. I have always intended for this girl to be Whoppity Story. So the one that was performed by Maya's friend in the episode is the actual folktale. So it is about an old wife, she's called in the tale, um, making a deal with Whoppity Story for the, to save the pig, the son getting taken away, etc, etc. What I've told you in the episode is the original folktale. The stuff that I've added is obviously the husband did not come back. He's not really mentioned at all in the folktale, apart from the fact that he's buggered off <laughs> and not come back. Uh, so yeah, so everything. So yeah, the real Whoppity Story folktale, as we know it in Scotland, is the one that the friend and the drama club perform, and that's the end of it. The Whoppity Story goes away because she's thwarted by by the old wife, and the old wife gets to keep her son. I just thought it'd be quite interesting to change it. I know who am I? What right do I have to change Scottish folktales? But yeah, I I put my own spin on it. And I thought it was a bit more bit more fun to have a spin on it so yes if you are interested it's it's not very well known it's not i think there's only like two sources online that i could find one of them's like the scottish storytelling center somewhere and then the other one's like a document i think is exactly the same so i think it's only like one place i'm not that familiar with the actual history of the folktale i don't know where it comes from i think wikipedia has a very small article on it as well so I didn't know it until a few years ago and then I kind of really wanted to incorporate a lot of folktales into this podcast, which I kind of haven't done. But yeah, folktales, I'm, <laughs> I'm one of those really bad people that the, the current folktales as they are in Scotland, they, they always just, they're just missing something for me. I always have to add something to them to make them, uh, to, for me personally, which is really bad. It's very unpatriotic of me. <laughs> 
I might put the spelling on it of because yeah, it's a bit. I don't know if I'm even saying it properly either. I pronounce it Wuppity Sturdy. And as Maya says in the episode, it is essentially the Scottish version of Rumpelstiltskin. I was going to say I'm not sure how familiar people outside of the UK will be with the Rumpelstiltskin fairy tale, but he was in Once Upon a Time. Ironically, play, portrayed by Scottish actor. Can't remember his name now, but yes, the Rumpelstiltskin in Once Upon a Time, the TV programme that you had in America. Robert somebody. Robert Carlyle. Yay, I remembered his name. <laughs> So yes, Rumpelstiltskin featured more, most recently, I think, in the, is it Once Upon a Time? The, the TV programme that was about um, essentially Snow White and Prince Charming's daughter coming back into their little fairy tale land. So yes, Rumpelstiltskin was portrayed by Robert Carlyle, the brilliant Robert Carlyle. Yeah, so he's, uh, Rumpelstiltskin in that version had like a romance with Belle, I think it was. Yeah, that programme. I, I didn't get past season four, I think. Yeah, that programme was was good for the yeah was was good for a while and then it kind of lost the plot. I haven't watched the final few seasons and I don't intend to. Yes, anyway, sorry. R- <laughs> tangent. So yes, Wuppity Story uh is an actual Scottish folktale. You can go and look it up. I'll probably put the actual spelling on Reddit or something like that because it is it's spelled a bit strangely. Yes, there you go. There's your Scottish folktale. And I finally I've given you a conclusion to the 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 girl. So yes, I always intended Whoppity has always been Whoppity. So the red-haired girl for the last two episodes has always been Whoppity and I always intended her to be Whoppity Sturdy. So yes, I've just essentially retold a Scottish legend, a Scottish folktale, which is really quite arrogant of me. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry to my Scottish heritage, I apologise. It was just, I really want, it was too boring as it was. That's one of the only Scottish folktales I kind of know a lot about, really. But I really like it because I really like Rumpelstiltskin. I really like the whole Rumpelstiltskin story. I think it's really... F- I like clever stories, though. Although no, that one's not hardly clever, but yeah, I, I like stories like that. So when I found out that there was a Scottish version of Rumpelstiltskin, I was like, yes, please. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next time. <laughs>